This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and welcome to Season 6 of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Mr. Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Pros, are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, your host, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. Joined once again, ladies and gentlemen, put your earbuds together for my rudimentary Texas friend. He hails from Austin. <laughs> he is the executive strategist of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is the one, the only, Mr. Adam Brown. Adam, how are you? Uh, Jay, I'm great. And for those of you who didn't listen to last week's podcast, uh, Jay and I had a little opening vamp about me being Jay's special Texas friend. But I think the uh, Federal Trade Commission had restricted that you can only be special or new and improved for, uh, for a year. And since I think we're going on almost two years now, I am just the rudimentary Texas yes. friend. You're so, the run-of-the-mill Texas friend. <laughs> the average Texas friend. But even, as in, even in my average state, Jay, I am so excited to be here with you. I'm excited to be here as well, and I am excited about today's special guest, who is by far not average. Not at My all. friend, and soon to be yours, Social Pros fans, Mr. Carl Sakis is on the program. Carl is the founder of Sakis & Company in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is a consultant to agencies, helps agencies get their act together, but he is also, friends... The author of a fantastic book called Made to Lead, a pocket guide for managing marketing and creative teams. And it is spectacular. Here's how much I believe in this book. A, I wrote the foreword to this book. And B, this is, in my entire 25-year history as a manager and as a business owner, the only book that I have personally gone out and purchased for every single member of my team and sent to them. That's how much I believe in it. So I am honored and delighted to have Carl on the program. Carl, Welcome to Social Pros. Great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your business. Uh, One of the things that you use to describe it, I think is so great, that you find ways to use repeatable processes to overcome human nature. Man, that's a great elevator pitch. Tell us a little bit more about it. When you're running an agency, you are often overwhelmed. There are a million things you can do, a million things you should do, and so it's easy to get distracted. The problem is things that seem urgent in the short term are not always the things you need to do to make long-term progress. Ultimately, by adding processes around operations, strategy, and leadership, you can make progress long-term so you're not waking up several years from now and thinking, whoa, what happened? Yeah, it, it, it is so true, especially now, I think, as the types of services that agencies provide continue to expand and morph and collide and coalesce. It's just, you know, the the menu of services used to be a lot cleaner than they are today. And I think agencies, depending on the the size and and type of agency, are having to bring different types of skills into their environment as well. And so it's making some of these longstanding pressures on your time and your attention perhaps even more acute than they've been historically. 
Exactly. It's not just doing the work for today, but it's preparing for the future. I spoke with a client earlier today who's doing a talk on chatbots, an area she's been been developing. And, you know, a couple years ago, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, that, that you did not have to have a chatbot expert on your agency team. But now, and, I, and we've talked about it here on the show, Adam, we believe that, that almost every brand will have some sort of customer service oriented chatbot in the next couple of years, uh, not only because it saves companies money, but, but when done well, customers actually like it. As we record this, literally 45 minutes ago, I was on a uh, call with, with a large CPG company here in the United States on that exact same topic. Totally agree. So what you're saying is that it would be possible for me to have a chatbot co-host at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think my life here is, uh, is, is short. It's <laughs> winding down. We're going to put the Thank clock you, on it, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see uh, another 50 more shows, and that'll be <laughs> from, it for Mr. Yeah, from rudimentary to uh, non-existent. That's right. To unnecessary is, uh, is how we're going to roll that. Carl, what kind of agencies do, do you work with? Everybody? Uh, ad agencies, PR firms, big, small, uh, U.S., global? How does that work? My clients tend to be independent agencies, so owned by the people that are that are running them, typically under 100 employees, but have helped anywhere from people getting started, so it's them or them and a partner, up to as many as about 700, typically under 100. Most of them are in the U.S., but at this point, I've helped clients in 26 countries. Wow. Six wow. continents, no one in Antarctica yet. The agency business in Antarctica is not what it once was. It is on, it is on the decline. So you're not missing out on anything. No, no. Uh, typically, clients are doing uh, doing a digital focus. They may or may not describe themselves as digital agencies, but that's a, typically a key part of their work. And uh, generally, working directly with the one, with the partner or one of the partners running the firm. So you've talked to dozens, hundreds of of agencies. What do you see as as their biggest issues today? as it relates to uh, adopting more digital services, whether it's social media, content marketing, uh, video storytelling, there's all these new things you got to make in order to be viable. What's the biggest problem that they have with that? It's certainly going to be a combo. I'd say it's typically something related to staffing uh, and or sales and or structure. So certainly on the sales side, if they aren't used to selling digital or new digital services, there's a question of how do we convince clients to buy it if we don't know exactly what we're selling? So that can be a challenge. Another is around structure. Sort of a chicken and the egg problem, right? Exactly, exactly. Another may be around structure. I was in South Carolina last week for a speaking engagement, spoke with the owner of an agency that had been around for a number of years. And one of the questions was, as we're trying to become more digital, She was saying, do we hire digital specialists or does everyone need to become more digital? Uh, Ultimately, either could work. It is risky, though, to bet your entire company on a single person, especially when they're not an owner. In her case, it made sense for the partners to up their their digital skills and expertise and then bring in additional people to help as needed, but not rely on a single critical new hire to drive them forward. And then the third not thing, only is it risky, not only is it risky if that person were to depart at some point, but what I've discovered working with some agencies uh, on our client roster is that if you have that digital specialist in uh, a relatively small independent agency, by definition, that person becomes the busiest individual in the agency. 
right? And, and they have to go to every meeting and be involved in every pitch and every deliverable. And they never get to actually do any work because they're in every single meeting. And so they become, they actually become an impediment to progress in some cases. It's a bottleneck. Exactly. So good for job security, not good for job satisfaction. And that leads to the final point around staffing, right? We've got sales structure and staffing. Staffing is just finding people who can do the work. You know, just because you have done something on your own doesn't mean you can do it for clients. And the other gap that I find in staffing is around finding employees that not only understand the marketing skills, but who also focus on understanding the client's business. Yeah, no kidding. Do you feel like those issues are evergreen, that those are always the issues, or that as social media and other um, kind of short-form, high-speed, low-margin digital services have become part of the core agency portfolio of services, that, that those issues have, have changed over time? I was a history minor in college, so I have a strong interest in history. I'm sure people were having the same problems in the 1940s and 1950s as TV was was rolling out. You know, like, oh, you know, they, they're great at this, but do they understand TV? And before that, in the 1920s and 30s, and well, you know, they, they understand newspaper, but do they understand radio? I, I think there there is always something new coming out. It's a question of how do you adapt to it. Yeah, no, no question. And there are certainly a lot of new things uh, coming out. And, and I, one of the challenges that we've seen with agencies is that in social media in particular, Adam's certainly familiar with this, with his work as a strategist for Salesforce, is, you know, social media at scale requires a lot of blocking and tackling, right? There's a, there's a lot of execution layer pieces and parts that have to happen, none of which require a tremendous amount of time, but in aggregate do require a tremendous amount of time. And so we have seen agencies in particular uh, struggle to to actually make money at, at social media services because you're doing so many things and and that is not necessarily interpreted as massively high value for the client. And so you're sort of running in place. You're doing a bunch of social media and not actually making any money at social media. Uh, do you see that as well? Definitely. Task switching, you know, going from one activity to another takes time. It takes time to wrap up the previous thing and then start thinking about the, the second one. Paul Graham, formerly of Y Combinator, talked about the idea of maker versus manager schedules. Managers are the people coordinating resources. Those are, you know, well, managers, directors, project managers, and so on. And then the makers, in his definition, would be people like designers, developers, copywriters, strategists, that that sort of thing, where they're focused on doing a particular thing all day long. And the challenge is, if you are a maker, under his definition, designer, developer, so on, you need blocks of uninterrupted time to get things done. So if your manager boss keeps interrupting you all day long, you're never getting into flow, you're never getting things done. And, and the same thing is going on as you're switching between different clients, different tasks, or different social channels, right? Between Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and Musical.ly. And, you know, it, it becomes hard to to focus when you're you're in this uh, multi-dimensional uh, platform juggling. Exactly. I, I want to talk a little bit about the book because uh, there are so many people who listen to this show who either lead social media teams 
or are part of a social media content marketing, digital marketing team. And there's so much terrific advice in Made to Lead. And it says it's a pocket guide. It is a pocket guide. It's a very short book. It's a very small book. You can literally put it in your pocket. So it's appropriately named a pocket guide. And I want to ask you a couple of questions about it. But for the first time ever, I actually want to read my short foreword uh, in the book um, because I feel like it, it sets it up particularly well. So I'm going to flip to the foreword. Adam, are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. Go ahead. It says, it says foreword by Jay Bear. The agency business has never been easy, but it's now harder than ever. Technology-fueled disruption has spawned a modern maelstrom of change that leaves us bewildered and breathless. But there's one element of the agency business that remains unchanged. In fact, it may be more true than it's ever been. Your power is in your people. I have worked in, managed, owned, and consulted with agencies for 28 years, and I have concluded that there is no such thing as secret sauce. The proprietary planning methodology you use to conjure smart strategies for clients? It's not proprietary nor is it particularly different from any other agency's version of the same. The truth is that what agencies sell, how they sell it, and how they deliver and execute those assignments is manifestly the same. What makes all the difference, what makes your agency viable and vigorous and valid and ultimately victorious, is the quality of your people and the quality of how you lead them. Carl Sakis is a a soothsayer. He can take one look at how the people of your agency collide and cooperate, how they integrate and intersect, and tell you whether you have effective leadership. He gets it. He's like the Dr. Phil of agency owners and managers, one part confidant and one part ass kicker. Now he's given you the playbook directly. In Made to Lead, Carl shares dozens of wise and practical tips for how you can become a better agency leader and how your people and your firm will blossom as a consequence. Some of these tips you may know. Some you may have forgotten. Others will be as yet unfamiliar, but I'm certain you'll benefit from them. Jay Bear. That is my forward. So, Carl, I think one of the tips in this book that is particularly appropriate for social media teams is the stop expecting your team to read your mind. I want you to talk about that a little <laughs> bit, and then I'm going to turn it over to Adam. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think a lot of new managers, but also longtime managers, have this idea that their team should read their mind. You know, this is tip number eight in the book out of 31 pithy tips. And the challenge becomes... The fact that you remember your tip numbers is amazing. Like, I don't remember the tip numbers in my books, so well done. That, that in and of itself is impressive. You probably have a cheat sheet somewhere. You're I will admit that. I do have a copy of the book in front of me, so I, I double-checked. <laughs> Ultimately, the, the challenge is often that the management team or executive team is talking about, here's what we're thinking of doing and sorting it out. And sometimes as an agency consultant, I'm involved in helping them figure that out. So the manager has been spending hours, days, weeks sorting things out, and they've processed the whole thing. Yet then sometimes they expect their team to pick it up immediately, or sometimes the managers will even forget that they haven't told their team what they're supposed to do or, or what they're expecting. You know, when employees keep asking about, well, you know, what are our plans for the future? What's going on? How do I fit in? If you've discussed it at the executive level but haven't told your frontline employees, don't be annoyed that they're asking. Share it with them up front. Don't expect your team to read your mind. Do you think, Carl, that that's more difficult in today's agency? And let me kind of quickly give you kind of a, a thought and you can tell me whether it's correct or not. I've always, I've worked in agencies, both PR and advertising agencies. I know Jay has as, as well. And you're, you're the expert here. I've always said there's kind of four groups 
you know, four ingredients in the recipe of an agency. You've got the leadership folks, as you said, typically the founder or the owner. You've got your account people, you've got your creative people, and you've got your media people. Um, as we look towards the move towards social and digital, the need for a balance of all those four types of people has changed. So is this becoming more difficult, what you said and articulated about helping your team understand kind of what you're asking and expecting of them, or is this just management 101 and we're just getting farther from, from kind of that basic, you know, business school classes and experience school classes that, that we all should have had and should have paid attention to? Managers need to understand enough about what their team does to, to manage them. You know, if you're a manager, you don't have to be an expert on everything your team does. Ideally, they generally know more about it than than you do. But to the point of of understanding how it all fits together, you know, certainly things are changing faster. So that's that's a factor. It is worth considering that it's a lot easier to be a terrible manager than it is to be a good manager. One of my early roles, I, I had a boss that was insulating our team from the rest of uh, from the, the executive leadership and i realized later and actually have sent him a thank you since then he was spending an enormous amount of time managing up to protect us from all of the drama and other things going on that made our life a lot easier so we could just focus on as individual contributors at the time just getting our job done but that that was really hard for him i didn't realize it at the time but i, I realized it later so ultimately, coordinating things across your team, getting things done, it's easier to do a bad job. I, I would encourage you, though, to focus on doing a good job. Do you see a correlation between the understanding of some of those nuances of social and managers who do an effective job of managing down and actually managing the work that their social media practitioners are doing? Yeah, definitely. If it's a case where one of your team members is struggling with something, the easy response is to say, you know, well, work harder, work longer hours, try to do it faster. You know, there's some things that you just can't do faster. You know, there's the joke about project managers, the type of person who thinks that if one woman can have a baby in nine months, nine women could have a baby in one month. Yeah. And you know, I, I think the the application here is that knowing enough about what your team is doing, you can help them troubleshoot things. You know, a good manager is ultimately a coach, among other things, rather than telling their team what to do, helping them figure it out on their own. Uh, there's a really good book called Turn the Ship Around about a U.S. Navy submarine captain who took his sub from worst to first in his in his squadron, in his unit. And one of the things he adopted was a shift, shift from the typical leader-follower arrangement. You know, the leader is in charge. They tell their followers what to do. And when the follower doesn't know what to do, they ask the leader. The challenge, of course, is that the leader becomes an enormous bottleneck. You were talking about bottlenecks earlier. The solution he found was what he calls leader-leader. And under the leader-leader method, the you know you still have hierarchy you still have structure but the subordinate would say i intend to such and such so it is i intend to do this campaign doing such and such plan and the manager now can say either please proceed you know go for it 
Or in some cases, maybe it's asking some clarifying questions to say, well, you know, what are the budget impacts on that? Or do we have people lined up to help with such and such? Once the leader is satisfied, the, the sort of higher level leader is satisfied, they can say, please proceed. That shift from leader follower to leader leader saves an enormous amount of time for the person in charge. And it better empowers people on the front lines, the people who typically have more information about what they're trying to decide on. Oh, that is a, a big shift. For more on that, check out the book, Turn the Ship Around. We have actually done that at Convince and Convert, my firm. And since we're all virtual, too, our, our communication is tricky. We have one meeting a year and four phone calls a year. So, so we really try to, to keep the back and forth to a minimum. So we have a, a similar program, uh, Carl, called UIHD, which stands for Unless I Hear Differently. And it was introduced to us by Jess Ostroff, who is the uh, executive producer of this podcast. And, and she picked it up uh, at a conference and, and uses it in her team. And we use it now, too. And so we, it's constant where, where somebody has something like, unless I hear differently, this is what I'm doing. Uh, and myself or another leader can jump in and say, yeah, I'm actually not OK with that or I need more information. But generally speaking, like, yeah, go do it. Uh, and it saves so much time just just agreeing to things. I, I really love that principle, and I think it can be uh, put into practice in a lot of places. There is a key thing to consider, which is you need a good team to get that done. I, in the book, I talk about the concept of hiring people who are new rope as opposed to wet twine. New rope are the employees, you know, new rope, under the metaphor, new rope is strong, it, you know, it, you can rely on it. Those are the employees who take initiative, get things done. Wet twine, well, wet twine is not strong like new rope. Those are the employees who tend to bring you drama, tend to create issues. Uh, this is an analogy I got from customer experience expert Stan Phelps. If your team is lots of wet twine, you're going to have trouble practicing, unless I heard differently, or practicing the leader-to-leader approach. So got to have that good team in the first place. I really like the leader to leader or the unless I hear differently philosophy. Uh, a question for you, Carl, is as as you know, um, in an agency setting, you you certainly have to be managing your team, but you also, in some cases, have to almost manage your client, manage the customer. And I'm curious if similar philosophies and other things that you speak about in Made to Lead uh, can work towards making your 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 client. Uh, not only an easier client to to manage and deal with and work with, but actually more effective in their own right. Definitely. There's the concept of the hero's journey, the idea of the hero is called out to overcome some sort of evil or villain or things like that. And along the way, they recruit a helper, someone who's helping them get things done and a mentor to help show them the way. And eventually they overcome whatever source of evil or, or, or villain and they return home victorious. They return home as a hero. It comes from Joseph Campbell, who is a mythology expert. And if that model sounds familiar, it's also the basic plot structure of every major Hollywood movie, you know, and, and, and stories, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. And so on. And the key thing is that, especially for agencies, but really it's true whenever you're helping anyone, if you can make your client, whether they're an external client or an internal client, if you're at an in-house role, if you can make your client the hero and position yourself as the helper or the mentor, you can have a much better relationship. Because when you make them successful and make them the hero, 
then you become invaluable. I'm curious from your perspective, if what the, the client is expecting from their agencies is, is changing. Uh, and what I mean by that is, I've always kind of made the analogy that agencies are almost like the lapels on men's suits. They get wide, they get narrow, they get wide, they get narrow. Same happens kind of with agencies. We go from there being five or six years where boutiques, small little creative shops are the, the thing uh, for agencies. And then we're kind of back to the full service you know, agency mythos and this idea of under one roof, everything can, can take place. What is happening today? Where are we in the, the lapel width? And specifically with social, are our are, are clients expecting more of their social to be done in-house? Are they expecting it from their big public relations or advertising agency? Or are they going to more specialty and boutiques? And, you know, Jay, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this too with, with Convince and Convert. I see the key difference being around the size of the client. Smaller clients typically like the one call does it all approach to the agencies. They're expecting the agency to do everything. And then larger clients tend to specialize. I spoke with a friend who works for a large financial services firm, and she has six agencies working with her, each specializing. Are you finding as corporate teams, and when I say corporate teams, I mean the in-house teams at a, at a particular brand or a company, are are, are more or less reliant upon agencies, kind of, and I'll talk about the three tenets of, of, of social activities, the media buying piece, which is the, the newest piece of this whole thing, actually creating content um, and engagement, the actual participation. Where, where are we going with those three kind of key tenets? I would say it depends in part on the client's budget. You know, agencies are glad to handle all of that. Certainly, it, engagement can be tough, around needing to be there anytime something comes up. Certainly on the media side, that's a bit easier to plan ahead on. Uh, and that often is something that clients aren't as excited about. So that certainly is something that they, they may outsource. I, I would say that it's worth considering that every agency service fits into one of three categories. My acronym for that is SIT, which is Strategy, Implementation, and Training. And the key difference is, is why does each client hire the agency. Strategy is where the client is saying, I don't know what to do, tell me what to do. And that's still a core area for, for agencies where a client is like, well, we know our business goals, how would we apply this in social or elsewhere? Implementation is where the client is saying, do it for me. That might be, you know, hey, uh, monitor for us and or respond as us or, or things like that. Sometimes clients have capacity in-house and they're just overloaded for implementation or they don't and they're like, do it for us. Training is the final area, which is where a client is saying, we want to do it in-house, teach us how to do it. Carl, I want to have you uh, tell people who are listening to Social Pros and thanks to all of you from around the world, in the very, very back of the book, you have a section called Do Three Things Today. And I want you to talk about the third thing. I think it's so powerful. So many of us who have been able to achieve something or another uh, have done so partially, if not significantly, because they were taught and trained by 
great managers. I've, I've mentioned this in several podcasts where I've been interviewed that I've been incredibly fortunate that in my very young years from the age of really 17 through 25, I had a string of four or five incredible managers in a row and, and made such a huge difference uh, in, in my career. And the same thing is true in sports. You see this all the time, right? Where players who have great managers become not only better players, but also managers themselves down the road and things like that. You know, the, the wheel keeps on spinning. But I want you to tell people what your advice is on that third thing to do after they read the book. And then we'll pause for a second and thank our sponsors. Absolutely. It's all about saying thank you. I wrote an article a few years ago called Saying Thank You is Free, based on an experience at a concert where the band not only thanked the audience, but they walked through the people at the venue. They thanked the sound people by name, the lighting people by name, the front office people, and so on. And that really stood out. You know, no one does that, but it's a reminder that that it takes a team to get where you are. In the book, I recommend sending a quick thank you note, whether it's an email or otherwise, to your best manager from the past. Uh, and it may be, it might be a few people. And, and here's the, the template you could consider, kind of a cut and paste. Thanks for showing me how to be a good manager. Now that I lead a team myself, I finally appreciate the work you were doing back then to create a great experience for our team. I especially remember when you, and then fill in the blank about an example or two, thank you for being a role model to me. And then send it. You are going to make their day. Yeah. Wow. Ah, man. Social pros, listeners, I want you to do that as soon as we're finished with this episode. Uh, stop the car, get off the treadmill, stop mowing the grass, whatever you're doing, and send that email or a voicemail or even a, a letter. You want to really have impact, do it on, on a piece of paper. And send that to a great manager that you have had in the past, and hopefully you have had one uh, or many of them. I love your your story too, Carl, about the band coming in the audience. I wrote a very similar blog post a few years ago uh, about Penn and Teller. I went and saw Penn and Teller in Las Vegas um, at the Rio, and they do the exact same thing. After every single performance, after all these years and all their notoriety and fame, they come out afterwards and and spend an hour uh, with with the audience in the lobby and taking selfies with everybody and shaking hands and, and signing autographs. And it's really remarkable to think about you know, people at that scope and scale still spending that kind of time with their fans. It, it certainly had an impact on me, and, and obviously your experience had that impact on you as well. What also has a big impact is the fact that we have sponsors for this show, right? And which is awesome because that makes it a lot easier to make this happen and do it well and bring amazing guests like Carl Sakis to you each and every week here on Social Pros. Quick reminder that uh, all of the 260-some-odd episodes that we've had on the show over now six years are available at socialpros.com. Every single show. You want to talk about a who's who of social media uh, geniuses? Go to socialpros.com. Check out the archives, and you can uh, you can waste some serious time binging on this show. We would love for you to do that. This week, the sponsors of the show include Yext, our friends at Yext, Y-E-X-T, the leaders in the mobile marketing business. Friends, search and search engine results are no longer governed by just 10 blue links on a page. Consumers now rely on their smartphones to find local destinations, search for restaurant reviews, uh, hail rides through Uber, etc., etc. And so search is getting smarter, and technology and search are combined to make sure that you know some businesses go out in front and other businesses get left behind. So Yex has a brand new white paper that I want you to check out that's all about how mobile 
and search and technology and local reviews are combining to change the nature of local search. If you have a business with a doorway of, of any kind, you need to download this white paper. It's free. You're going to love it. Go to offers, offers.yext.com slash location world. That's offers.yext, Y-E-X-T dot com slash location world. Check that out. Also this week, another free download that you need to take advantage of. Uh, I think this may be the last week before we switch it out. It is from our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. It's called The Future of Ads. It's all about how you can maximize the effectiveness of your social media advertising. And one of the ways they do this in this ebook is to provide for us comparative data on click-through rates, conversion rates, and other uh, KPIs for Facebook ads, for Google ads, for Twitter ads, etc. And they do it from country to country. So what's a good click-through rate for a Facebook ad in Canada? I don't know, but now I do because you can get it in the future of ads. Download it. You're going to help yourself. Go to bit.ly slash Salesforce ads. That's bit.ly slash Salesforce ads, all lowercase on that. Adam, back to you. Jay, thank you. And Carl, uh, Carl Sakis, president of agency consulting firm Sakis and Company and author of a new book, Made to Lead. We are so glad to have you on the, uh, the, the show today. Carl is the, uh, the gentleman uh, and uh, Sakis and Company is the organization that if you're running an agency, you bring in to help you grow, to help you lead, to help you make, uh, make more money and help your customers and clients that much more. Which begs the question, Carl, how did you get so smart on this? You've written two books. You speak almost every other week of, uh, uh, during the year. How, how did you get so smart on this entire space? Uh, it's something I'm really passionate about. I, I started as a web designer, learned HTML in high school, back in the days of dial-up and IE3. In retrospect, was not a great designer. You know, I look back at some of those designs. It's like, wow, you know, what were we thinking then? You know, but it it was the the mid to late nineties. Yeah, <laughs> image maps and uh, tables and frames. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, certainly the the website has moved forward a, a lot. And fast forward, more recently, ran the business side operations at two digital agencies as the number two person helping the owners, overseeing project management, client service, recruiting, accounting, marketing for the agencies themselves. And I realized there was this potential opportunity, which is when you start an agency, you typically start an agency because you love the work. Maybe it's marketing strategy, maybe it's design, maybe it's development, maybe it's PR, copywriting. And often you then put it all together and start an agency. Challenge is you are now a business owner. You are managing people. You are doing client service. You're doing sales. Doing all of these things that are not that related to why you got started, and often you're overwhelmed. In my case, I decided to put all of my experience together to help people out. Experience long time in digital marketing. Experience supporting agency owners as the the key employee is the number two person. And also, I've been doing consulting for a long time, helping people solve their business problems. I'm also a fourth-generation entrepreneur, grew up helping in my family's small business. One of my grandfathers was a business professor for 40-some years. Decided I'd put that all together, and in 2013, launched what is now Seikas & Company. At this point, I've helped over 200 agencies in 26 countries. 
That is that is just incredible, and you know, it sounds like you know you, a lot of your experience and your knowledge and insight comes from working at agencies, and, and that that kind of brings me to to a question I have, and a question perhaps a, a lot of our listeners are are considering. I got my start fresh out of school in 1994, working at an ad, ad agency, and then and then it kind of went from there. I know a lot of people are considering that, or there are a lot of people who may have started doing something else and are thinking, should I move over to, to the agency either as, as more of a junior person or even as more of a senior person? So, so my question, Carl, is this. Do you believe that agencies are still the best place for new marketers, new communicators to really kind of learn the trade? That, that's something that I certainly uh, subscribe to. Great question. If your goal is to get a wide variety of experience, agencies are typically a good fit. You know, you're working on a variety of clients, variety of projects or ongoing retainers. Variety is, you know, is definitely a match. But it also depends on your personality. For instance, a friend originally worked at an agency and concluded that she wanted, uh, with her particular focus on nonprofits, what she described as mission monogamy. That is, she wanted to focus on a single client, hmm. making them be as great as possible. So I think it depends on what your preferences are. Certainly, it's a great way to get started getting a lot of variety, and then you can either stay on the agency side or focus on a particular client. No, that is that is true. I mean, one of the, the, the greatest things about being in an agency world, and it can be sometimes restrictive too, is you're working on a lot of different things at the same time. And once you find which subset of agency life you like, then you can kind of go off and, and find a role, either still in the agency world or, or more likely in the corporate, or as you said, in a nonprofit to, uh, to, to be able to do that. And that's, that's great insight. Yeah, Adam, I, be, before you joined the show, uh, when, when Jeff Roars was still our co-host here on the Social Pros podcast, we once did an analysis of the educational backgrounds of every single one of our guests. I think we did this for the first... 150 shows or something like that. And of our first 150 guests on this program, uh, not counting authors and, and such, but people who really are social pros and, and leading social media departments in big companies, some 130 out of 150 had agency experience. That, that's that's wow. incredible, but not really surprising if, if you really right. think about it. Yeah, they all kind of started there and then went client side. Uh, and sometimes they go back you know, to, to agencies uh, after they've kind of had a taste of working on the same brand all day, every day. Sometimes you're like, you know what? I like, I, I like to juggle, right? I like the, I like the gear shifting, the mental gymnastics necessary to work on a lot of different brands. Some people do that, but it's very, very common, at least amongst the social pros guests to start in an agency and then go brand side and, and work your way up and, and then be the head of social media or similar job. Carl, last question for you before I, before I hand it back over to, uh, to Mr. Bayer. Um, looking at your business, um, here you are running a consulting firm. You've got employees. You've got clients not only around the country but around the world. How are you using social media to drive awareness of, of your professional service organization? My overall approach to marketing is what I would call inbound branding. Three parts there. One is specialized by client vertical. Second is thought leadership marketing, and third is around marketing automation. So first part is specialize. You know, I only work with agencies, typically digitally oriented agencies. So ultimately that leads to, on the thought leadership side, I'm sharing what agency people and agency leaders are struggling with all day long, whether it's with their clients, whether it's how to grow, how to manage that growth, things like that. I occasionally meet people who will say that they've they've read every article on my website. 
And at this point, it's a couple hundred articles. Uh, and it, it it seems a little crazy, but, you know, pe- people will that, say... That's what you say, Mom, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> uh, people will say it, it, it's as if I were writing the articles for them. And, and of course, I wasn't, but I'm writing for my target personas. And so, as a result, it feels like I'm writing for them. So, that's where the thought leadership piece comes in. And, th- and that's through a mix of blogging, through speaking, through books, webinars, things like that. And then the marketing automation side is once someone has come across my content and they're like, oh, well, that, that's cool. The goal is to provide people a reason to get on my list and get further updates from there. As one of my speaking coaches said, your audience will never love you more than the moment you walk off the stage. So when you're in front of people, that's your opportunity to say, you know, if this is useful, here's how you can get more. Otherwise, you're going to leave and never come back. Uh, from a social perspective, I found Twitter is most helpful because agency owners tend to be there. And also, I'm sharing as as myself and responding as myself rather than some sort of a corporate entity. So I, I do have a Sakis and Company Twitter handle that's not really as active as the Carl, at Carl Sakis handle. Carl, I'm going to ask you the two questions that we've asked all the guests on this program across our many years in business here at Social Pros. The first one is, if you could give somebody one tip, somebody who's looking to become a social media professional, what would you tell them? Focus on your audience. Your audience does not care about you. Your audience cares about themselves. If you can show them that you care about them, solving their problems, making their life easier, everything else will come together. Boy, ain't that the truth. Well said. Last question for you, Carl Sakis. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget the book Made to Lead, which you can get on Amazon. What does the book cost these days, Carl? I know it's inexpensive, which is a good thing. In U.S. dollars, $4.95. What a bargain. $4.95, ladies and gentlemen. That's like a butterscotch latte. Uh, And I guarantee you, you will get more out of it than a butterscotch latte, at least over a longer period of time. You won't feel as guilty, too. You won't. You won't. (laughs) Pick up Made to Lead. Carl, last question for you. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Dan Ariely, who's a behavioral economist at Duke University, wrote the book Predictably Irrational and, and others. Really smart guy. I actually met him at an event that he did through his Kickstarter, and I specifically asked him a question related to online dating. Had a very insightful answer on that. Uh, Would love to chat a bit more about business and and psychology in general. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, he's great. He and I have the same uh, literary agent, actually, and he is a very, very, very smart man. Uh, We'll make sure to link up his books in the show notes at socialpros.com as well. And of course, we'll link to uh, Sigerson Company and Made to Lead. So if you don't or can't find it on Amazon, which would be hard to believe since you're listening to this show. But if not, go to socialpros.com and check the episode notes and we will hook you up. Carl, thanks so much for being on the program. Terrific as expected. Congratulations on the outstanding, outstanding book. And I hope to see you uh, face-to-face here one of these days. Great to be here. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Adam. You bet. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Social Pros Podcast. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is an ordinary Texas man, Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And this has been the Social Pros Show. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. 
If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceaconvert.com.